This is Brett from Washington State, and I love a good podcast. That's why I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Thank you for joining us on this 184th episode. It's not good when my voice cracks that early in the show. 184th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, the lady whose voice sounded like a 40-year-old smoker this morning, the lovely and talented Brittany Page. Well, let's see how it sounds now. <laughs> it's not perfect. It was terrible. It seriously was like you should have been doing a commercial for Marlboro, mm-hmm. the cigarette company. Or a commercial like holding my throat uh, about what happens to smokers <laughs> and how you shouldn't smoke. This is how you clean out your tracheal hole or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, well, I'm sick again, you, is what you're saying. You, we just haven't kicked it yet. Yeah, but I'm sick again, is what we're, what I'm saying. Between the two of us, we have gone through a bottle of NyQuil in almost no time at all. Yeah, don't say exactly what the time has been. It's because almost gone. some people might wonder about what's going on. Well, we went, we went to a party on New Year's Eve. We sure did. And Brittany Page was incapacitated by illness almost. Yeah, I mean, that might be an exaggeration. That is. But you immediately stopped drinking almost upon r- arriving. Like two hours in. Right. Well, how many drinks total did you have? Probably three. Three drinks over the course of... Two hours. Two hours? Yeah. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's five hours. Oh, well, I'm, I'm counting when I stopped drinking. Oh, so no. Th- how many drinks over the course of us being there did you consume? Yeah, three. Three, okay. But I stopped drinking... <laughs> I, I drank for two hours total of my time right, there. Right, three hours, three drinks. That's not you're not being you're not being uh, accurate. You're not painting a picture for the audience. Okay. When you say two out, two three drinks in two hours. Okay. Help me we paint there, an accurate picture. We were there for many hours. We were. Anyway. Well, the thing is, I woke up sick that day. You know what? You know why? Hang on. You know why I think you got sick so quickly. Why? Is when I went over looking for my drink because we brought... I don't want to hear this story we again. We brought a crock pot filled with my soon-to-be world-famous buffalo chicken, shredded chicken for sandwiches, for little buffalo chicken sliders. This is so disgusting. On Hawaiian rolls. Everyone and, is going to lose and respect And I had gone over. I had gone... Really, they're going to lose respect? Have that got your they attention? They already <laughs> have lost respect. So they... I brought over the, the crock pot and I set it up over in where the food was. Uh-huh. And then I had been dicking around with plates and you know whatever, the setup, and had misplaced my glass of wine. And we were drinking... You, you know, didn't misplace it. You had set it next to me. You just forgot that you put I it there. I didn't know where it was, right. hence misplaced. Okay. So I... And also, I was going to say, before I was rudely interrupted by your choice of words, not mine, it was a party with children there. There were yes. people's kids so it's probably not great that you misplaced your wine. That wasn't why I was going to say that. But yeah, maybe it was terrible because these kids who were super well behaved are going to be dipping into the wine. Mm-hmm. 
the reason I brought that up is because there was no glassware. We were drinking out of like college kid solo cups. Yeah. And I'm looking for my wine. I'm looking around. And I see, oh, there's, I think it, it is over there by the crock pot. So I grab it. It looks like my wine. I take a drink, not my wine. It was one of the kids, the little easy delivery system for pestilence, one of the children's lukewarm discarded cola. And who else knows what was what else was in there? But I took a drink and then I reported to Brittany, which I shouldn't have, that I had done so and it was someone's Coke. And almost immediately, she didn't feel well. No, that's not true. <laughs> but But... Well, I was completely disgusted that you had done that. That is something that, you know, people that have a type A personality do not do, by the way. Um, that would never happen to me. I would never accidentally drink someone else's drink. Um, I am so horrified that that happened. You just backwash Coke, warm backwash Coke from a kid. Also, kids, they're not the cleanest of creatures. No. It's not an indictment of these specific children. No, it's just kids. Yeah, kids are just fucking gross. I remember one time my mom took me to the movies when I was very young, and she would always tell me this story. She wouldn't ever let me live it down. And we were sharing a Coke, which is really unusual because in my family, we didn't eat after each other. We didn't drink after each other, which probably was, uh, probably a wise thing in your in your family. It probably became <laughs> it probably became a rule after this situation. So we were sharing a coke, and my mom said she took a drink from the coke in the movie theater, and she had to chew it because there was popcorn that oh, I had like backwashed into the coke. That's gross. As a kid, and soggy popcorn. It's one of those tex- textural nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, this is what happened to you. And you got infected probably as I well. I feel pretty good. I mean, I have a little bit of a lingering thing going on, but I'm no longer stuffy. I don't feel stuffy. It's you who's the the terrible one sickness-wise. Yeah, so I was in pain for New Year's Eve, which was a bummer because we took an Uber there thinking that, you know, we were going to have a good time. Right, right. And then I ended up... Which just... was a whole nightmare in and of itself, the Uber. Yeah, getting we had a 70-year-old Uber driver. What in the hell is going on? Which is kind of unusual. And he took the wrong turn t- once for sure and then almost did the first time. He had to like well, he merge quickly. Listen, can I say, if you're going to be a driver, an Uber driver, a taxi driver, a Lyft driver, I don't mind you being chatty. I'm all about talking to the driver. But if it's going to distract you from your job, you need to get your shit together. Right. Well, he had the thing right in front of him, the map showing him where yeah. he needed to go. And then it was also talking to him. Right. He has the 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 the, the GPS guiding him the entire way, but he's talking over her telling him where to go. And I'm used to taxi cabs doing that, you know, trying to do little things to like make the ride longer, to yes, get more money. Of course. And I haven't really experienced that with Uber until that night. And I just got the vibe that that's what he was trying to do because it was already a pretty long ride right. where he was going to make some money. And so I think he took the wrong turn and tried to take the wrong turn the first time to, to lengthen the ride. It was, I think, a $25 ride there with no surge pricing there was a whole controversy after new year's eve because in some areas the prices were like 9.9 times higher than normal 10 times higher than normal right and when we went to leave this party our surge pricing was like 3.3 times the normal price right we 
$25 to get there. What did they say to... It was going to be like $56 to get home. Right, And we were getting off easy compared to the rest of the country. Yeah. And so I'm like, screw this. I'm not taking Uber home. <laughs> we'll sleep in their backyard. <laughs> I would rather do anything than pay $56 for an Uber right, ride home. Right. So I downloaded Lyft and I got a price estimate from Lyft and um, they said it would be like $32 max. And it ended up being $28, even cheaper than what they quoted me. And then I also had a $10 credit right. for being a say, new Lyft yeah, person. It was very light. It was, I think, right around 20 bucks. Yeah, so I got totally... And um, our driver was awesome. Yeah, I got totally lucky. And now I'm a Lyft person and not an Uber person. Yeah, I won't, I won't do Uber <laughs> just for the fact that I think that it's... Uh, Look, I understand their what they say, what their reasoning is behind the the surge pricing, but uh, it's not it's excessive. It's not customer friendly at all. It's it, shitty. It's also way too excessive. Also, Lyft on the way there. Oh no, actually, it was at the party we were talking about the the way that Uber should do things relative to reviewing that you should be able to leave notes not just click a five star or a two star for your driver right because you don't have you should be able to leave some notes there and say well this or that some suggestions right even for the passengers because the passengers get reviewed by the drivers yeah, right and you have a 4.0 rating anyway there was no need to go there and so you want to know what you're doing wrong yeah right? well because i'm not i am not an asshole to people that, that is too much silence, Brittany <laughs> Well, I'm... That is unacceptable silence. Just just an asshole to me. <laughs> right? You're not a person, Brittany. You're oh. a co-host. Yes, that's true. It is indentured servitude. Right. Right. Anyway, so we were discussing all these things that would be awesome that Uber should upgrade to, and then we sign up for Lyft, and lo and behold, they have those very features. They do. So we're we're Lyft people now. If we have to pick a team, we're Team Lyft. We are Team fucking Lyft. <laughs> I'm sure Lyft is really appreciating the endorsement. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're they're real jacked about it. So anyway, we had a good time at uh, at the the New Year's Eve party. There was one guy there who wasn't a fan of me, but for the most part, it was an enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the guy who fucking seemed to hate my guts right away? Um, I guess we'll go ahead and do that. Well, I think Brittany is uncomfortable knowing that there are people who were there who are listeners to the show. No, I don't care. It's, it's on you. Well, it's it was just weird. Me. Listen, we went to a place where they were, <laughs> they, they play in a band. All of them are musicians. It's awesome. I, I, I'm just, I am ridiculously envious of everybody there because they all play music. They all play instruments. They're all, they're, they're creatives like that. Mm-hmm. And... I have been known when enough alcohol is coursing through my system to be a guy who may or may not sing karaoke once in a while. You need the liquid courage, that, as they call it. That is exactly right. Well, they were goading me and trying to coerce me to sing a song. Mm -hmm. And they finally got me up there. to, And I didn't end up singing a song. It didn't end up happening. But to try to get a key set or whatever. And I got back over by Brittany down from the stage area and she said to me no that's this isn't how it happened oh well i was drinking so tell me how it went down no i just you you know you are who you are and which means 
you can hear me when I talk because I don't. Yes. So well, I'm. I don't know if the audience knows. I'm relatively hard of hearing. I have a a, a deficiency in how how well I hear. So I do talk a little louder because of that. So that's how it was at the party. You were talking to people loudly and. Some people just aren't a fan of that, right? Sometimes Meaning that one guy. Well, yeah. So you rub people the wrong way in that way. You know, some people just kind of, uh, who's this loud guy talking about politics? Uh, who's this loud guy, you know, doing this? Uh, some people just... <laughs> right, right. They, right. Ha- they have that attitude and, and that's, I, listen, that's perfectly fine. I have long asserted that I'm not for everybody. I'm not going to be for everybody. I'm okay with that. So it's not like I was bummed out or sad. It just... Right away, you said. It was something that happened real quick, almost too quick for him to make a judgment about me and who I am. And maybe he just has like an RBF directed towards you because... (laughs) um, Directed toward me. Yeah, you never know. I mean... I I also get accused of like looking mad and stuff. So, you know, he could just have a face like that. That only... That was directed toward you. That that only gets turned on when he looks my direction. Or maybe I was just noticing it when it was toward you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's okay. Like I said, I... When he left, he he shook the guy's hand next to you and didn't say anything to you, which was another kind of hint to me that it... Yeah. There was just a couple of signs where I was like, I wonder what's going on here. What are you going to do? You know, I'm not... Look, I can't win everybody over, and nor is that my job in life to try to convince everyone of the jovial, wonderful nature that is Jesse Dollimore. I don't think anyone <laughs> can win everyone over. I'm not trying to. I gave up long ago. It no, used I'm, to really bother me when someone didn't like me. Well, I'm saying no one is going to be liked by right, everyone. Right, right. Unless right. you're Malala. Right. Of course. Well, and then, you know, Taliban. Yeah, <laughs> see, even then. Even then. If someone as lovable as Malala... <laughs> Can't have everyone on our side. Oh, that is awesome. All right, let's get to a little listener feedback before we move on. we got a lot to cover. Holy shit. I can't believe we've taken this long, 14 minutes, to talk about New Year's Eve and the guy who hated me and Uber. And my sickness. And your terrible sickness based on the fact that I drank some kid's backwash. It wasn't from that. We got some communication on the Facebook page, and we're going to read it. This is from Nikki, and she says, Hey, Jesse and Brittany, you're both welcome to flee to my place. I happen to have a shed so you could podcast from there. We also have a lot of no-nonsense people here who would totally understand you leaving if Trump should ever become president. Oh, by the way, my friend thinks Trump is really funny and loves him for having no filters. And this is Nikki from the Netherlands. Right. (laughs) So we we have a place to flee to in the event that Donald Trump becomes president of the United States. I would ask, though, Nikki, is your shed in your backyard or wherever it may be, is it, is it, does it have heat? Because I know, I know it gets mighty cold in your area, and I'm going to need at least a space heater. Well, I'm just comforted to know that we have a shed in the Netherlands <laughs> that we can go and be safe and, 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 and from podcast. Which, from, yeah, that's right. From which to broadcast, which is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. We don't want to deprive the rest of the audience of the asshole that is Jesse Dollimore, the hated figure, the hated party goer that is Jesse Dollimore. Mm-hmm. All right, next up on the, again, another Facebook post, Allison. 
Yes, this is Allison in Boston. So I want to know both of your thoughts on Hateful Eight. I know you saw it, pistachios and all, and mentioned it was pretty good. But Brett and Brett number two and I went to see it last night and I left at intermission to peruse the bookstore across the street because I couldn't bear the idea of watching any more of that movie. It's the one and likely only time that I left Brett number two in a movie alone. And he totally understood, although he did enjoy the movie. Am I just nuts? No, absolutely not. I did enjoy the movie, but I also maybe enjoyed it for different reasons because I have re- I read the script about five years ago, the screenplay, and it had been changed and rewritten and it was different. Also, because you left an intermission, I think you missed out on a lot of some, some good stuff where it relates to the, to the uh, Jennifer Jason Lee character, where she wasn't just being shit on and having terrible, you know, no dialogue. Kind of, She really blossomed as a character. But no, I, you know, Tarantino's not for everybody. He, much like your humble host, <laughs> he isn't for everybody. In fact, it's only been since The Inglorious Bastards that I have started to really appreciate the filmmaking of Quentin Tarantino. Well, and what was your perception of how much I enjoyed the film? Uh, I don't know. I think you could have taken or left it. Right. When we were leaving, you told me that you got the vibe that I wasn't enjoying it because I didn't really laugh out loud at any point. And I don't know. I, I liked it, um, but meh. Yeah. it was meh for me. You, you definitely also think that Tarantino's use of the word nigger is over the top. It made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, it was weird because the first time it was said in the movie, someone in the theater laughed out loud. And I. Right. It, yeah, yeah. So then it was the continued use of it that made me uncomfortable. And then the fact that people were laughing at very inappropriate times when it was well, used. It was like, they were was laughing, like well, what is what are you laughing about? It was here? like they were laughing just because the word was said. Which I think is fucking weird because it's not funny just because it's said. Yeah, I I don't know. And it was too much. It was too much of it. Yeah, I I would agree. Overall, I would agree. I don't think that that's the case with him all the time. And I I do. I agree. I did like, though, I thought Jennifer Jason Lee did an awesome job. And if I had left early, like Allison, I would have missed some parts where I think she she really acted her ass off yeah for sure so yeah so i hope that answers your question the lovely allison in boston those two they might be he might be brett number two but they together might be the number one fans the number one listeners to the show yes that's true (laughs) so thank you of course you can use the facebook page to communicate with us you can also use 657-464- 7609. There's also emailing a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Before we move on to Dollamocracy, we need to talk about this wild craziness that's happening in Oregon right now in the Malher National Wildlife Refuge. Cliven Bundy is a gentleman we covered over a year ago on his ranch in Nevada where he, well, let's just put it this way. His kids are involved in this particular thing in Oregon. One of his children, Eamon Bundy. 
And I want to kind of give the audience a background on what's happening now, a little bit on where Eamon Bundy comes from, what kind of a father he was raised by, to give you an idea about his ideas about the because this in this case, the the nut did not fall far from the tree. Is that, that's not even the phrase, is it? The apple. Whatever. <laughs> he is a chip off the old block. Here is a clip of Cliven Bundy talking about race and about black people in this country. The Negro. I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. When I when I go went uh, go through Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, <clears throat> and I would see these little government houses. And in front of that government house, the, the door was usually open, and the, the, the older people and the kids, and there's always at least a half a dozen people sitting on the porch. They didn't have nothing to do. They didn't have nothing for their kids to do. They didn't have nothing for their young girls to do. And because they were basically on government subsidy, and so now what do they do? They abort their, their young children, they put their young men in jail because they never they never learned how to pick cotton. Wow. And I've often wondered, oh, are they better off as slaves picking cotton, having family life and doing things, or are they better off under government subsidy? Cliven Bundy, father of Eamon Bundy, who is the leader of this latest happening, this latest militia event, this latest taking over of a government outpost in the wilderness in Oregon. Racists. Was raised by a man, Cliven Bundy, who thinks that maybe the slaves, maybe black people, were better off as slaves because now they just get free government housing and they've never learned how to pick cotton. Am I, am I paraphrasing him correctly? That seems pretty accurate. Yes. So what has happened is there is another protest revolving around the Bureau of Land Management. You will hear the acronym the BLM. That is the Bureau of Land Management, which largely is in, in control of gra uh, grazing land mm -hmm. that is owned and controlled by the federal government. Now, we can have a conversation about the massive swaths of, of, of American land that is owned by the federal government, which may or may not be constitutional, it doesn't really matter at this point because through legal precedent, it's not going to be argued whether it's constitutional. It is the system under which we live, and that's it. So there is a family, the Hammonds, in Oregon. How, how should we go about this, Brittany? Because this is the problem right now, is that the media, there's so much to this that they can't really report on it and make it palatable for the American public. And I want our audience to have the benefit of understanding exactly what's going on. Okay, well, this armed militia has taken over this federal building. And the reason for doing so is because back in October, Eastern Oregon ranchers were convicted of arson, and they were resentenced to five years in prison. So it's these two ranchers, Dwight Hammond, Jr., 73 years old, and his son, Stephen Dwight Hammond, 46 years old. And they were sentenced to five years in prison by Chief U.S. District Judge Anne Aiken, like Clay Aiken, for arsons they committed on federal lands. 
Right. And not just convicted by a judge, convicted by a judge and a jury of their peers. Right. A jury trial that spanned two weeks in June of 2012. And... The trial involved allegations that the Hammonds, owners of Hammond Ranches Incorporated, ignited a series of fires on lands on lands managed by the BLM. But they had grazing rights leased to them for their cattle operation on these lands. So they convicted them of using fire to destroy federal property for these arsons, and they were accused of handing out these matches. This, well, let's 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 parse our language here. They were accused. However, there are eyewitness accounts of this happening. So it's not just some nebulous accusation. There are multiple eyewitness accounts who testified against them in trial that this happened. Right. So jurors were told that Stephen Hammond handed out strike anywhere matches with instructions that they be lit and dropped on the ground because they were going to, quote, light up the whole country on fire. One witness testified that he barely escaped the 8 to 10 foot high flames caused by the arson and the fire consumed 139 acres of public land and destroyed all evidence of game violations. Right. So what was happening here? They were alleged. Well, not even allegedly. They're convicted now. So they were covering up for poaching the illegal taking killing of game wildlife on federal land or on any land. You can't kill without proper permitting. Um, wildlife. So they were killing and trying to take game and they were covering up for their crime. They were convicted of this and sentenced. It is supposed to be mandatory sentencing. There are federal sentencing guidelines. This is, I don't want to get too in the, too far in the weeds and have people clicking off the, the show all over, all over the world. But what happened is they were sentenced, but the judge went against the mandatory federal sentencing guidelines. Right, because the Hammonds argued that the five-year mandatory minimum was unconstitutional. Against cruel and unusual punishment. And the trial court agreed and imposed sentences below that law requirement. But then the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals came in and upheld the federal law, reasoning that given the seriousness of the arson, a five-year sentence is not grossly disproportionate to the offense. Right, so what happened? They were sentenced. The judge did the wrong thing. The government appealed the sentencing decision appealed it through the court process. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is based in San Francisco, California, they decided to overrule the sentencing and restore it to what the federal guidelines are. It, all of that, they had, they had they served about 15 months in prison, and then they were released. And then the decision to reassert the five years minus the 15 months happened. So they've been out of prison. So now they have to go back. So this comes in, this is where Eamon Bundy comes in, where they are going to overtake this National Wildlife Refuge building, this headquarters, armed militiamen, upwards of 150 people, have overtaken this structure, and they are going to be there for the long haul, according to Eamon. So we have uh, basically taken over the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. And this will begin, become a, a base place for uh, patriots from all over the country to come and to be housed here and, and live here. And we're planning on staying here for several years. And while we're here, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be freeing these lands up and letting, getting the ranchers back to ranching, getting the miners back to mining, getting the loggers back to logging, and where they can do it under the protection of the people and not be afraid of this, this tyranny that's been upon them. 
and what will happen is Harney County will begin to thrive again. And uh, one time they were the wealthiest county in the state. Now they're the poorest county. Yeah. And we will reverse that in just a few years by freeing up their land and resources. And we're doing this for the people. We're doing this so the people can have their lands and their resources back where they belong. And it's really that simple. But we're the, we're the, we're the point of the spear uh, that's going to bring confidence and strength to the rest of the people. And uh, we're calling people to come out here and stand. And it's really that simple. We have a place for you now. We have a place for you to come. We have a place for you to be, get to stay warm. We will have we have food uh, planned and prepared. Um, we need you to bring your arms, and we need you to come to the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. You guys, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, this is Blaine Cooper. I agree with what Ammon said. And bring your arms, and you know, if you guys had bullies in high school, anybody? I always oh, yeah. kicked the crap out of you, and you got sick of it at one point, didn't yep. you? And you had to put him in his place. I had to knock mine out, and we became best friends. <laughs> now, I'm not going to be best friends at the BLM. The point is, until that line is drawn and say, we've had enough of this tyranny, you are going to leave us alone. It will not change. And yeah, you guys right. see, this is the power yeah. of America right here. People got together for this. It doesn't have to stop here. Yeah. This could be... Uh, a hope that spreads through the whole country, the whole United States. Everybody's looking for this hope because yep. the government has beat us and oppressed us and took everything from us. They will not stop until we tell them no. Yep. Exactly. So we drove a thousand miles to get here and we feel the same way. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, the bully always fears the retaliation. Yeah. Because they never think you're going to retaliate. Yeah. The bully's a coward. So the reason they're doing this is because they believe this judgment against the ranchers is not appropriate. Right. And that the government is overreaching and doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Right. And there you hear them saying multiple times they made a point of it. It, it, it It's not something they should not casually mention. It's bring your arms. If you're going to come out here, we've got food, we've got shelter, bring your firearms. Come prepared for battle. Because otherwise, there's no need to have firearms. Why do you need weapons if it is a peaceful protest? Because that's what they're claiming now. You're hearing this all over the place. Oh, this peaceful protest, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't sound peaceful to me. That sounds preparative for violence, for battle. Well, if you're wondering what kind of nutter butters these are, there is a very dangerous mentality amongst many people in the West, especially in rural areas, about militias and about overthrowing the government and this stark paranoia about the government trying to take their land and invade. Jade Helm in Texas, we didn't really cover it that much, but that was a weird conspiratorial thing that because they were doing military exercises on federal land in Texas, that there was some kind of a, a move afoot to take over the state of Texas. The state of Texas is already a part of the United States. There's no need to take it over. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're wondering what types of people who are involved in this, who are leading this effort to take over this federal land, let me, let me introduce you to John Ritzheimer. John Ritzheimer, you may remember, a few months ago, there was a Draw Mohammed contest in Texas 
where two ISIS-inspired nutters were killed by police in their attempt to kill the the attendants of this event. Mm-hmm. In the days or weeks that follows, this John Ritzheimer attempted to have a, the same... Well, he didn't attempt to. They had the same type of event where they were protesting a mosque in Phoenix. Here is an interview with Anderson Cooper talking to this John Ritzheimer who was involved in this particular thing in Oregon about the Phoenix thing. Joining us now is John Ritzheimer, who organized uh, the event. Also with us is former FBI and CIA counterterrorism official Philip Mudd. Uh, Mr. Ritzheimer, I appreciate you being with us. So you're encouraging hundreds of armed people to gather outside a mosque during a prayer service wearing T-shirts saying F Islam. And I certainly know you have the right to protest. Everybody does in this country. But you yourself have said this is a provocation. I know you've compared it to poking a bear or kicking a hornet's nest. So what are you really trying to achieve? Uh, well, I'm really trying to achieve uh, exposing Islam and uh, the truth about what's written in the Quran. Uh, you know, uh, people, you know, even uh, Mr. Mudd that's uh, joining us, he, he's said that uh, he thinks this is a bad idea. And some would probably argue that, you know, uh, the, the signers that signed the Declaration of Independence was a bad idea uh, back in their day. So you're comparing and yourself I, to the signers of the Declaration of Independence? Uh, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't want to live in fear. I shouldn't have to live in fear. All right. So that's going to paint a little bit of a picture where he seems mildly reasonable. Does he not? In his tone. Yeah, oh, yeah. In his tone, he sounds, oh, well, that guy, he's just got a, a divergent point of view yeah. relative to this policy, mm-hmm. to this, to, to how we treat and deal with Islam as a religion in the United States. Yeah. Well, a few months ago, there was an attack on a Chattanooga, Tennessee recruiting station. And here is some audio of John Ritzheimer driving around in his truck taking video of himself, talking to the camera. Information is starting to trickle in about my four brothers that were killed today. Here's the other thing. The four brothers are members of the United States military. I I believe three were Marines. And John Ritzheimer is, unfortunately, a former United States Marine Staff Sergeant. Trying to recruit a few more good men for our country. Uh, one of them, his name was Gunnery Sergeant Thomas Sullivan. Four tours under his belt. Two Purple Hearts for this country. You assholes want to play politically correct and ban a Confederate flag, saying it promotes racism and slavery. Well, now how about we ban the Koran? Because it promotes terrorism. How about that for political correctness? You want to play the game? Let's fucking play it. Muslims, you just fucked with the wrong fucking family. Fuck all of you. Fuck your book! Fuck your religion! Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass! Game on, motherfuckers! 
rational human being, John Ritzheimer, everybody. Yikes. Is he driving around? Driving around, yeah. So this gives you some insight into the type of mentality, the type of person that's drawn to a desire to overthrow their government, which ultimately is what they want to do. They want to overtake certain government posts, bring your weapons, because they know it is a possibility that there will be an armed standoff like there was at the, at the, at the Bundy Ranch in Nevada. They're waiting for this. They are excited for this possibility. Right. When they're calling people and they say, come prepared, that's what they're referring but, to. But are, are you hearing the, the, the craziness? Uh, yeah. Fuck your book! Fuck your religion! Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass! It's hard to listen to. It's so excessive. You know who he reminds me of? Uh, I do. The crazy Christian lady. On Wife Swap. On Wife Swap. It's not Christians! Did you not ask if she believed in God? <laughs> She's not a Christian! <laughs> she could be a Jew and believe in it God. It doesn't matter. She, she's tampering in dog and stuffed. Yes, yes! <laughs> Fuck your book! Fuck your religion! Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass! She's not a Christian! <laughs> It's funny because these people want to say, you know, like when he was talking to Anderson, he said, I shouldn't have to fear for my life. Right. Well, what do you think? What kind of vibe do you think you're sending out when you post this video of you driving around screaming? It's directly threatening. And especially this. And then that Christian woman from Wife Swap. I mean, that's how many people feel toward the Muslim community. Yes. Do you think you're not instilling fear with your yelling and your irrationality? Bizarre. So anyway, John Ritzheimer posted on YouTube a goodbye video to his family, a teary, emotional goodbye video to his family. No, geez. This isn't the entire video, but this is, to give you a little flavor, It it's coming into him talking to his daughters, this goodbye message to his daughters. Oh, God. Where he's wiping away tears, and I guess giving somewhat of a justification or an explanation for him leaving to join this movement in Oregon. Your daddy swore an oath. He swore an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic, And that's why he couldn't be with you on Christmas. That's why I can't be with you on New Year's. I miss you so much, and you need to be good for your mom. So after they did their time and they were set out with their families, they're out living their lives thinking it's all over with, and now they're being ordered to come back and finish out up to five years. Talking about the Hammonds. And it's disgusting. Dwight, he's so old he may die in there. And I'm hoping he sees this video. Because it's real simple, Dwight. Do you want to die in prison? 
labeled as a terrorist by these oppressors? Or do you want to die out here with us as a free man? Jesus. I want to die a free man. So there it is. Sounds pretty cut and dry. Do, or do you want to die in prison or do you want to die out here with us? He's planning to die. I want to die a free man. So it sounds like the Hammonds aren't really involved here because it's almost like every time they speak, they're kind of trying to encourage them right. to come out there or well, like be on their side. From everything of. that I can garner, from everything I've read and everything I've listened to, it sounds like the Hammonds are disavowing or... Uh, unaligning themselves from this group. Mm-hmm. Creating some distance. That's right. I, th- I think they're not happy about going back and serving their sentence for the crimes for which they were convicted by but a jury of their peers. But they don't want to be a part of this. Uh, but they're not too keen on this entire overthrowing the fucking government and dying with their boots on as free men. Who mm-hmm. does he think he is? William Wallace? Well... What is this craziness? I swore an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, he accentuates. You took the same oath. What yeah, are you, what are you doing well, here? I know, I know. Apparently, I don't respect or love the Constitution of the United States quite as much as Eamon Bundy or John Ritzheimer. Who hmm. are some of these other nutters that are out there? Blaine Cooper. I think they mentioned his name on one of the videos. I mm-hmm. think he was talking in one of the videos. Right, right. Um, Ryan Payne. Uh, Eamon's brother, Ryan Bundy. Right. It seems to me that these are these, these disaffected, these, these wannabe tough guys, these want to be soldiers of fortune. You know, they're just, they're not patriots. I'd love to have a conversation about the constitution of the United States with this, by all accounts, uneducated, cognitively deficient John Ritzheimer. I'd love to ask him a few questions about what exactly is his understanding of the founding of our country, comparing himself to the gentlemen, the, 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 the heroic people who signed the Declaration of Independence from Britain. He's comparing himself to those men. Come on. Well, these definitely are fascinating characters. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely tragic because this is really serious and this is a really oh, serious yeah. thing that Very you're doing. Very dangerous. And, I mean, it's five years in prison. For which they've already served, a, you know, a year and a third. Yeah, I mean, it. it's not a lot, really, right. in the scheme of things. I mean, that guy is old. He could die in there. That is sure. possible. Um, well, then you shouldn't burn down federal lands to cover up another crime. Right, but you committed arson. And, right. I mean, these are the consequences, unfortunately. Of almost 200 acres of federal land, public lands. Right. And that's the other thing. In all these videos, and I, we're going to cut it off here. We're going to follow this, so don't worry. This is something that we're going to be on top of. Don't worry, guys. I mean, <laughs> maybe they weren't worrying. Uh, we're also going to try to get somebody on from the movement to have a talk about this because... Uh, Listen, I do have a soft spot in my in my heart for for people who who push back against government control. But when you're invoking the the Confederate flag argument, your heart is not in the right spot. To whom are you loyal? The Confederate States or the United States government? Truly honoring our constitution and form of government, our way of life. Anyway, 
like I said, we will certainly be covering this, but let's let's not go crazy long. Let's move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. First and foremost, we'd like to thank our latest, newest Patreon supporter, Vince. Thank you, Vince. So, so happy to have you on board. It is awesome. He has been a contributor to the show. He has been a communicator with the show via Twitter and the Facebook page. And welcome aboard. <laughs> And it's good timing because we're getting ready to have a month, well, two months full of debates. There's going to be seven debates total, uh, January and February combined. And uh, also some things that we're not going to spill the beans about. Yes. But we've got some other stuff planned that's going to be pretty good. And we've already put your stickers in an envelope, Vince, which is a huge accomplishment. I wrote his address on an envelope. Oh, the stickers are not. I know I said I put them in there, but it's just an envelope with his address. Okay, well we're <laughs> we're getting there. It'll be sent out tomorrow. Yes, it'll be sent out tomorrow. Brittany guarantees it. And we we want to see where you're putting the stickers. So if you have received the stickers and you put them somewhere, be sure to take a picture and tweet it to us. And that's not just for Vince. That's anybody who's right. received stickers. Tweet it. Tweet it. Put it on the Facebook page. And on Do the Facebook. something. Yeah. Goddamn. Let us know that they're not just ending up in your junk drawer with your batteries and your old playing cards. I'm just visualizing what goes into a junk drawer. Isn't that kind of it? I don't have a junk drawer, so. I don't either. My whole life is a junk drawer. Is it? (laughs) That's sad. All right, let's move on. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Donald Trump. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I wish. Isn't that kind of how it works? Just we talk about Donald Trump and Dollamocracy. Mm-hmm. Well, this is no different. We're going to talk about him now. Um, during the Democratic debate, Hillary Clinton had claimed that Donald Trump had been featured in ISIS-related propaganda that had been used for recruitment purposes. Well, at the time, that had been shown to be incorrect. That, however, as of right now, is the case. Let me ask you about a video that's been put out by al-Shabaab. This is an ISIS-affiliated terror group. And in the video, they use you, Donald Trump, a clip. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what is going on. And then the video goes on and says, the West will eventually turn against its Muslim citizens. They're saying to Muslims, either you join jihad or leave the United States because of what Mr. Trump is proposing. Look, there's a problem. I bring it up. Other people have called me and they say, well, you have guts to bring it up because, frankly, it's true. But nobody wants... Who, who, who are these people who are calling him up and saying, oh... You have guts. Are they his paying campaign staff? No, he's he, he means the uh, trolls that are tweeting him. 
No one's calling him. It's the people uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Donald Trump, real gutsy. Secret Service protection while he screams and yells about every particular minority group in the country. To get involved. Now people are getting involved. People that are on different persuasions than me right now, John, are saying, you know, maybe Trump isn't wrong. We want to examine it. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. I'm watching the news tonight, actually, CBS. And so many of the elements, you look at Germany, you look at Brussels, you look all over the world. They're shutting down cities that never had a problem before. They're shutting down countries that never had a problem before. You look at Paris, what happened. You look at California, what happened. John, maybe it's not politically correct. There's a big problem out there. And it, we have to solve the problem. Does it concern you at all that you're being used in a, essentially a recruitment video by a terrorist they, organization? They use other people, too. I mean, what am I going to do? I have to say what I have to say. And you know what I have to say? There's a problem. We have to find out what is the problem, and we have to solve that problem. Do you think the problem is a, that the West is on a collision course with radical Islam, or is this just ISIS is a problem? I mean, is this well, a clash of that, civilizations? I think that radical Islam may be on a collision course with uh, us. I mean, you could change it around a little bit. But <laughs> it is a very, very deep-seated hatred that's going on. I mean, you have a hatred like people wouldn't, where they're willing to give their lives, they're willing to walk in. I have to tell you, it is so big. It is the biggest thing there is right now. So he just says the same things over and over and over again. All it's, the time, it, constantly. It, I'm, I'm starting to feel like there's no point in playing anything that he says. I mean, updated. <laughs> right. We could just save that audio and play that. You know, we could talk about, oh, Donald Trump responds to this and, and play that. Donald Trump responds to this right. different thing. Play that. It's always the same. He's... He's a broken record. And, and there's, no, there's no depth to his talking points. He put glasses on so people will think he's smart. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not, uh, there's not a lot of uh, nuance to his positions, to his policy positions, to his understanding of the world in which we live. Well, think of how powerful that sentiment is that's being expressed in that video to use that's being used as a recruitment tool for ISIL. Right. They're saying, here is this presidential candidate who's number one in the polls, and he is saying these things that indicate that the American government is going to turn on Muslims. Right. Now, where do you want to stand, Muslims? Well, Come join only, us. We aren't going to turn on you. They are. Not only that, is after he gets done saying it on camera, there's a, a, a cacophony. Oh, this loud explosion of cheering and, and support and applause for the stated potential policy. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It is embarrassing. It's dangerous. Should I keep going? <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah, no good. Well, listen. You did. You, you kept going. It's not only Americans... It's not only Americans like me. It is not only liberals who are against Donald Trump. It is actually other Republicans. Mm -hmm. This New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl Parade, which is held annually in Pasadena, California, before a college football game, a skywriter, a person with an airplane that has some equipment that spits out words in smoke, was paid... To, to 
<laughs> to paint out in the sky anti-Trump messages. Well, they lit up social media messages in the sky above the Rose Bowl today denouncing Donald Trump. KCAL 9's Peter Dout spoke by phone this evening with the millionaire behind that aerial attack. Parade viewers who looked up to the sky above Pasadena on New Year's morning saw several it's messages blasting Donald Trump, including, America is great, Trump is disgusting. The messages quickly went viral on social media and created a buzz for those attending the annual Rose Parade. The millionaire behind the aerial messages, Alabama real estate investor Stan Pate, who spoke with us by phone. Let's think about where you see that many people, and you can always depend on L.A. to have a beautiful sky. Pate says he spent roughly $50,000 on anti-Trump messages that also flew across the Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. This is a very, very ugly man with hate in his heart. No place for him in the presidential race and certainly not in the Oval Office. Pate was an early donor to Marco Rubio's campaign. According to FEC filings, he's also donated thousands of dollars to both Republicans and Democrats in the past. But it's his aerial assault, not his wallet, that is garnering headlines. And he says there's more to come. When I was a little boy, if you'd have talked like Donald Trump, you'd have found a bar of lice soap in your mouth. We're going <laughs> to make sure that he has to tighten up his saddle. The Trump campaign did not <laughs> respond to a request for comment. Peter Doubt, KCAL 9 News. We got to make sure that he has to tighten up his saddle. Yeah, he's, he like, says. he's like a modern day Ross Perot. Yeah. All the, the crazy southern turn of phrase. So he spent $50,000 on this. Over several different bowl games to print these messages into the sky. It's awesome. It's very funny. And no response from the Trump campaign because, listen, Trump's support is going to start dwindling, especially come February 1. When he, first. when he very likely does not win in Iowa. It's an exciting time. <laughs> That's less than a month away. It really is. I'm getting really excited. Yeah, it really is. So in other political news, Obama this last couple days has announced that he is going to use executive action. He's going to bypass the standard legislative process and going to unilaterally change gun policy and the background check system in our country with the the stroke of a pen and the power of the presidency alone. Breaking news, a White House source has revealed to CNN that President Obama is set to announce a new executive action with the aim of expanding background checks on gun sales. The announcement is expected to happen in the coming days. The set of executive actions would reportedly fulfill a promise by the president to take further unilateral steps that would help curb gun violence. Let's bring in our panel, CNN political commentator Peter Beinart and CNN senior political analyst Ron Brownstein. Gentlemen, Happy New Year to you both. Thanks for joining us. Um, Ron, is this something that we expected? Well, it had been kind of uh, floated uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, when they went through an initial, an initial round of scrubbing of the gun laws a couple years ago and concluded they could not uh, take this step, but now have uh, reconsidered. Look, it, it, it continues a pattern we have seen in President Obama's second term of moving very aggressively to use unilateral executive authority on issues from immigration to climate and now potentially guns and essentially daring Congress or the courts to stop him. And I think we're going to see another confrontation like that. What we've learned is it's very tough for Congress to stop him. The courts are another question. So a couple of the candidates have had said things to say about this. Jeb Bush, particularly, what did he say, Brittany? 
he said that the so-called gun show loophole doesn't exist. People <laughs> people Idiot. who want to sell who want to occasionally sell guns ought to have the right to do so without being impaired by the federal government. Bush said the executive order on guns would be completely inappropriate and he also said that the expanding of background checks is not something that is necessary. What if Jeb Bush, what if those same people wanted to resell the Vicodin or some kind of prescription drug that was prescribed to them that they purchased at a pharmacy, but they want to they want to prescribe it to somebody, they want to give it to somebody else. They want to sell it to somebody else. Now this is a great argument that I have never heard before. Well, it's it doesn't make any sense for him to say that there isn't a gun show loophole. Maybe right. he just doesn't consider it a loophole at all that you can go buy without background check a weapon at a gun show. There is a problem there. Why is it different at a gun store than at some high school gymnasium where they're selling guns there or wherever they have gun shows? So Obama's executive order on guns would likely require more federal licensed gun dealers to conduct background checks. And other presidential candidates are reacting to this, including Chris Christie. In an interview with Fox News Sunday, Christie said that Obama is a petulant child who goes around Congress whenever he can't get what he wants. This president wants to act as if he's a king, as if he's a dictator, Christie said. There is some validity to that comment as much as i don't want to agree with chris christie uh we have a system of government in place the president is not a unilateral dictator he cannot make decisions on his own he needs the congress just because you don't like the results that you're getting from your current congress doesn't mean you get to act on your own while i agree wholeheartedly Let's not be, let's be very clear about that. I do agree we need expanded background checks. I do believe that we need to close the gun show loophole, but we need to use our current valid time-tested form of government to do it. That's just the way it is. Right. You don't get to rewrite the fucking rules because you don't like the way that uh, your results have been up to this point. Bernie Sanders, the only Democrat we really have on record, had this to say on CNN. As a United States senator, are you okay with the president acting alone, bypassing Congress on guns? Uh, Dana, I would prefer that we could have bipartisan support, but the truth is the Republicans are not interested in doing anything about gun safety. I think the vast majority of the American people are horrified by the mass shootings that we have seen. Uh, they want action. Overwhelming consensus understands that people who are criminals, people who have mental issues, should not be owning guns or buying guns. And what the president is trying to do now is to expand uh, the instant background check uh, by closing the gun show loophole. And I think he is doing what the American people would like him to do. Now, you are a senator from Vermont. As you well know, there is a lot of support for gun rights uh, where, where you're from. Uh, do you think your constituents will object to you supporting these expanded background checks, especially done without Congress? Well, I look, look, uh, gun safety issues are very, very controversial. We are a divided nation. But I think most gun owners in this country uh, understand that people who should not own guns should not be able to buy them. And we do need to expand the instant background check. I don't think that's an onerous burden on anybody. And by the way, 
uh, from what I have seen, the vast majority of the American people agree with that sentiment. Obviously, bipartisan activity in the Congress would be preferable, but we're not seeing the Republicans doing anything on this issue. And I think the president is doing what the American people would like him to do. Unfortunately, he's not doing it in a legally prescribed way. You don't get to, every time you don't have, like Bernie Sanders said, bipartisan support on something, you don't get to just write an executive order. That's not the way it works. And the problem with it is, is when the next president comes along, if they happen to disagree with you, with the same swipe of the pen, they can eliminate the quote-unquote progress that you made. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I agree with the intention. I disagree with the manner in which he he intends to, to make it happen. All right, let's move on to a little bit pew, pew, of pew, pew, pew research. Pew, 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 pew. This is an interesting article. This is an interesting study on... And it's something real dear to my heart, too, because I have long said that I have this standing policy of not unfriending, blocking, muting, whatever people on Facebook that I have a disagreement with. If they say something I don't like, I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to uh, get rid of them. Well, according to Pew Research, liberals are far more likely to unfriend than conservatives. Data from the Pew Research Journalism Project shows that conservatives are less likely to have their views challenged on social media, but liberals are more likely to block or unfriend someone online because they disagree with something they have posted. Those that Pew describes as consistent conservatives are twice as likely than are twice as likely as the average Facebook user to say that posts about politics on the social network are mostly or always in line with their own views which I found interesting. Yeah. With 47% saying their views dominate the conversations they see. Of those identified as mostly conservative, 28% agreed with the sentiment versus 32% of consistently liberals and just 13% of mostly liberal users. This suggests that liberals see a wide range of views on social media than their conservative counterparts. So consistent liberals were the most likely group to block or unfriend someone because they disagreed with their political postings. 44% said that they had hidden, blocked, defriended, or stopped following someone on Facebook (laughs) because of their political postings. Only roughly one-third, 31% of consistent conservatives had done the same. So it's 44% of liberals versus 31% of conservatives. It just, and we've talked about this before, but here's why I'm against it. And it's the same reason why I'm against limiting people's speech is because if I delete them or if I block them or if I unfriend them, not only do I not get to see the crazy shit that they post, they don't get to see anything that I post. So you're also removing your influence on them relative to ideas. Right. And the first part that I talked about, though, is tied into this. So conservatives see more of their own views than liberals do. So this difference in deleting and blocking may be attributed to the lower levels of ideological diversity in their echo chamber. Because they don't have enough people to actually unfriend. Right. So if they're seeing more of their own views 
why are they deleting people? They're seeing more of their own views. But it could also be that they have already deleted everybody and are just not saying that they well, maybe. But are doing that. Even you said <laughs> that this is, that runs counter to your experience because the the large, the overwhelming majority of people who have deleted you are liberals. Or I'm sorry, are conservatives. Yes. And then you thought a little bit more about it. And you said... I've also been deleted by liberals. Right. And which is interesting because um, when do I post conservative things? Never. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I but have... also, why would you be deleted by a liberal? Because you're a liberal. Well, and You're one not really of... saying things that are going to run counter to their, to their viewpoints. In one of the instances, I insulted JFK. That's right. For being a, a, a philandering womanizer. And then in another one, I think it was more due to religion than politics. Right. But, you know, that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I agree with you. And I don't even delete people who are abusive to me. I've had... Right. Name calling and shit. Right. I've yeah. had people call me a stupid bitch, you know, a dumb bitch. A lot of bitch talk. I've been called... Maybe you should take pause and reflect on that. Yeah, I've been I've been called many no, I've been called many terrible things and I just leave it up. I leave them on my friends list because yeah. it doesn't make me look bad that they're talking to of me like that. Of course not. Of course it not. It makes them look bad, right. you know. And if they're going to talk to me like that, that's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. So, whatever. Interesting. Anyway, we'll put that on the Facebook page. Um before I move on though, um and we're not moving on to another topic. I mean, we are moving on to another topic, but this isn't me moving on. Go like the Facebook page. Go review us on, on on iTunes. If you have not reviewed us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to us right now, <laughs> go do that. Am I right? Yes. Well, back me up here. Please do. You're actually not eating or looking at your phone. You're prepping for the next topic. That's good. Uh-huh. But uh, apparently I mean, not good enough. I need a little, uh, little, uh, little backup. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Please do that, everybody. And it's invite your friends to like the Facebook page as well. You can spam them, and that's yes, always useful. absolutely. Make a post that says, go like this page, and then you put the address, facebook.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore, and you hit enter, and it will actually populate with the page where they can just boop, little boop, little you know, click it. Yeah, you know? You know how much your friends love to be spammed. I mean, <laughs> come on. All right, well... Oregon, the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge, is not the only place in America that is being invaded by an enemy force. Brooklyn, New York, is being invaded by an insidious, terrible group. Brittany has more. Well, I'll just, I'll read this quote from a woman who, um witnessed this behavior she this says, invasion right she said they were trashing my grapevine beating my cat it was like a frat party they were insane that is terrible who is invading brooklyn new york well of course it's raccoons <laughs> why would you have to ask who is doing this so it's really more of a what than a who yes of course it's the raccoons so apparently there are just Thousands of raccoons. Legions of raccoons <laughs> that are taking over Brooklyn, New York. New York City. Yes. According to the New York Times, though New York may be better known for its rat population, the city abounds in raccoons. Their precise numbers are not known, but their encounters with people have increased. The city's 311 helpline received 1,581 inquiries about raccoon control in 2005. <laughs> 
as of mid-December, up from 936 in all of 2014. So there's something going on. The first number was as of 2015, right? Right. Oh, you said 2005. I did? Yeah, so 2015 up from 2014. That's 1,600 calls about raccoons. Yes. And New York has an odd, very, very... um humanitarian policy on disposing of these raccoons. Right. City they're law. not having, hang on, they're not having them be hit ab- ab- about the head and shoulders with a shovel and murdered. What are they having them do? City law dictates that any captured raccoon must be killed in a humane fashion because raccoons are known to carry rabies. But many trappers, as well as homeowners who do the job themselves, say they transport raccoons to parks or wilderness areas and set them free instead because they don't have the heart to do what is legally required. Which, on its face, sounds like a beautiful, humane thing to do, except for the fact that... Experts say the animals tend to wander back into the nearest neighborhood. People see wooded areas as the animal's natural habitat where they belong, but these are city raccoons. (laughs) And when you drop them off in a park or wherever, the quiet places that people are dropping them, they tend to make a U-turn straight for civilization when they're dropped off in nature, said Stanley D. Gerhardt, a wildlife ecologist at Ohio State University who has studied urban raccoons for two decades. So I think he knows. We know about urban raccoons. I know a lot about urban raccoons. And also... They're always up in my biz. I would say this is kind of like... What's that little mouse movie that Michael J. Fox was in? I have no idea. And and your guy, oh, House, Stuart was in Little. It. Yeah, Stuart Little. Yeah, he's like. Uh, these are like. Listen, you got your you got your house mouses. Mm-hmm. And you got your your country mouses. Mice. These are these are your terrible city, dirty, filthy city raccoons. Also mean. That are taken over, and acting like it's a fucking frat party. Apparently. <laughs> well, they like to party. <laughs> And they're beating up on the cats. Mm-hmm. They're these are bastards. They're yeah. little bandits. So people think they're being nice by just taking them into their quote unquote natural environment. They're like, oh, it's a fluffy animal. Let's take it to a wooded area. And then they're just beating feet back for the city because yeah. what's with this woods bullshit? Yeah, they're going where's, right back. Where's the dumpster for the for all the the, the leftover hamburgers? Where are the humans for me to attack? <laughs> There's no humans here for me to attack. I think that's a good place to end the show, Brittany Page. Whatever you say. All right. Well, listen, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Go to the webpage. There's a contact form there. We got the Facebook page. We got Twitter. We got it all. We want to hear from you. What did you think about anything? that we talked about today there was a lot or anything else that we've talked about in prior episodes for Brittany Page I am Jesse Dollamore and this has been I Doubt Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass